Welcome back for part two. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming back. Yes. I mean, this is a difficult topic, but you want to take that journey with us and author Christy Grabowski. Again, this is the Me to We Talk podcast, and we are experiencing the Truth Serum series where we promise to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, so help, help me, God. God. And we have our person that is coming to the stage in a sense, and they have their hand up, right hand to God, and they have given us their sworn testimony thus far. So we would like to keep going with our proceedings. Amen. And doctor, author, Christy Grabowski, if you could please come back onto the air. Are you there? I am here. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we give honor where honor is due. Yes. And we want to just keep on talking about the many accolades that you have. I mean, you have a book that's coming out and it's called Unstoppable, My Journey Through Narcissistic Abuse. And everyone, we want to let you know this is available on Amazon right now for purchase. Yes. As we told you in our last podcast that we already ordered our book. And let me tell you guys, it is more than a page turner. It's like folded up bent up you keep it by your pillow this is the type of book you need to read whether you're going through it or not I consider it to be preventative measures if you do read it are you in agreement with us you have to be Christy because this is an amazing book it's amazing thank it you thank you so much for that kind kind those kind words and yes it's that's a wonderful uh, analogy. It's it's a pre used for preventative measures, really, because if I can share my story so that it helps others to pinpoint what they may or may not be going through or what they think they may be going through in order to prevent them from continuing that path, right. then yes. I've served my purpose. Agreed. You did. And Chrissy, it's not official till we get our assigned, though. So we're, <laughs> we're going to meet and I want mine signed. That is correct. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I will be there with bells on. <laughs> good, good. Well, we also got to talk about this cover art. I mean, it's beautiful. I love the color schemes. Yes. And then you have a dragonfly on here too, Christy. Like, you know, tell us a little bit about that. The symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, thank you for that opportunity. I had this vision of what the cover of my book would look like, and I knew I've always loved dragonflies. They are so peaceful, and they've been around since the beginning of time, really. Mm. <laughs> and so they, too, in a sense, are unstoppable. And dragonflies, in a spiritual sense, are a symbol of transformation, of evolution, if mm. you will. Okay. And the symbolism for me was that not only do I think they're beautiful creatures and any creature of God is beautiful, but they just always have this sense of peace when they're flying around. And it also symbolized my transformation and my growth mm. uh, through this process, through this journey of narcissistic abuse. So that's why I knew I wanted a dragonfly on the cover of my book. That That is really good. You're going you're gonna to have me looking at dragonflies in a different way now. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always shooing them away if they get too close. Absolutely. And they're so delicate but they're so resilient. <laughs> really? 
And that sounds a lot like who you are, you know, it makes me think, oh, it's in the Bible too. You know, when things are happening in your life, um, the Bible calls for us for the renewing of your mind. And so when you say dragonfly, that's what comes to my mind immediately. And I know it's in Romans 12 too. I would give it, I'm going to give it to you in the ESV version, but it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by Mm. testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You need a refresh. You need a restart in your mind in order for you to see things more clearly. You know, it's like even Mm. going to sleep. And when you wake up and you're adjusting your eyes, you need that adjustment period. But when you adjust, you see the world differently after a good night of sleep. Mm -hmm. So recharging Mm -hmm. your battery. And sometimes people try to take that supply down. They do. You know, they really do. And in this case with gaslighting and your experience You know, how did that happen? What was the characteristics? We talked about the characteristics of their prey or those that they target. But what are their characteristics? What do they do? I mean, you know, it just seems like there's a lot of entitlement going on over there. Oh, that you said a mouthful there. And that (laughs) one word, that one word, that sense of entitlement. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm in agreement with you there. Every which way you look, whether it's in the physical sense or the emotional sense, they have this sense of entitlement where, and, and they don't, narcissists, they have no consequences for their actions. They, they don't care about their con- any consequences for their actions because they have such that false sense of power and entitlement that they show no remorse, no regret right. um, with what they're projecting onto you, the victim. Mm. They are, in my situation, the narcissist felt as though he was above the law, above God. He he did not know the word no. It was not in his vocabulary because when what he wanted, it was what he wanted, when he wanted it, and how he wanted it. Right. Wow. And if he didn't achieve or receive what he wanted, when he wanted it, and how he wanted it, the tantrums became evident, apparent, and progressively got more aggressive, really? not only in his words, but in his actions. And it was this sense of entitlement and power. The very beginning of the relationship, it was a Friday, and I had to travel home from work. At that time, I was working in an office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I traveled home from work. I had to collect my things, pack my bag for the weekend and um, get the dog and prepare all his food and everything like that. And then drive all the way out to his house. And we arrived and no one was there. Well, he wasn't he wasn't home yet from picking up his kids. And so I was not allowed to have a key. Uh, Yet, yet this yet this sense of entitlement was in this expectation was for him to have a key of, to my house. Really? So here my dog and I sat and it was cold. It was cold out. It was like um, in the winter time of some sort, you know, towards the end of winter. So it was still pretty brisk out. So I wasn't about to stand outside. So maybe 30 minutes or so passed and we're sitting in the car waiting. And then all of a sudden, you know, he rolls up and he looks at me with this strange look on his face like, well, what are you doing? And why are you sitting there? I said, well, I couldn't get in the house. I mean, I don't have the key. And, and how dare I ask for a key so that if I come early, earlier than he was expecting me to come, or if he was just running late for some reason or another, I could at least get into a warm house and start dinner that was expected of me and, and prepare for the weekend ahead of us. I don't wouldn't say I argued with him on the point of trying to get a key, but I tried to rationalize it as any normal 
person in their right frame of mind would do. (laughs) And, but then at that time, at that point, I didn't realize I was dealing with somebody that wasn't in their right mindset, if you will. So anyway, an argument ensued and he actually had the audacity to be mad at me for asking for a key and for being upset that I had to wait for more than 30 minutes with my dog in my car in his driveway. I've got a lot to say about that, that one. That I don't is, know. What do you think? Huh? That, that is ludicrous. Yeah. You're the reason I'm here and you're the reason I'm waiting and you're mad that you made me wait. Right. That right there is gaslighting. That That is manipulating. Like, hey, I'm going to make it all about you. I, I had a family member that went through a very similar situation. And that's why I was so drawn to your story, Christy. Yes. But, you know, this family member had situations where this person would always want access to her, but did not want any access to him. He did not want it. And he always seemed to try and have this person in my family, you know, really closed off to everyone else yes. like it, it narrowed down her friendship pool right. is the best way I can put it we anybody that was close couldn't get close that's a very good point point. and actually speaking to that Chris did anyone in your family recognize the concerns or recognize the, the warning signs that he was giving off yeah and did they voice that to you yeah oh you bet you you <laughs> bet you they did um my mom mm. my mom mm. is one of the best judges of character and yet for some reason, I want to try to prove her wrong. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> so I think because I didn't want her to be right. <laughs> but it um, happens to the best but, of us. Yeah, but you know, as God is my witness, she is my best friend, and I would do anything for that woman. Mm. And she always, always has my best interest at heart, and always wants to protect. She's my mother. Right. She, she mm. gave me life. What does she say, though? I'm so curious, Christy, like, because, you know, you do speak so highly of your mom. And and I see why she created an amazing daughter. So I know the product of her work. Right. And I want to know, like, what were some of the things that she saw that she brought to your attention? Like, hey, look out for this. What did mom say? You know, help our listeners because they need to know there's someone out there that doesn't know what to look for. Right. Okay. So she would make comments here and there. And when I got defensive about what she would say and when she would say it and how she would say it is because I think it was the method of delivery. Mm. And I didn't see the forest through the trees. I was only seeing it. I chose to see it as her trying to tell me what to do. But listeners, if somebody sees red flags, listen to them. Mm -hmm. If your gut, if your gut is telling you something, listen to it. Right. I just, I just got chills because I refer in my book many times over to please listen to your gut intuition. Mm -hmm. Right. I did not, which is why I'm sharing my story. Mm. My mom would tell me, and I, I don't recall specifics, conversations, but she would tell me things like, it doesn't feel right. Something, I can't put my finger on it. Mm. He's, you know, he's moving in too quickly. He's moving too fast. He right. wants you to meet his kids way too fast. And I refer to that in my book as well about meeting the kids as another way to control. Why do you say that? What is a way to control? Why would meeting the kids do that? Well, on an emotional front because because I wanted a, desperately wanted a family to call my own. Mm-hmm. I wanted children. He knew that. He knew that because we went into the relationship with me saying, I realize you already have children, but it, and if you don't think you want any more children, let me know now because this will not go any farther. 
Right. Oh. Because I was, yes. So he used the kids as a way to manipulate me on an emotional level. Right. Hmm. Like, in a sense, make you feel like, hey, this is family. Yeah. Yeah, I've yes. got a family for you, and I want more of this family, you know, yes. so we and can in, grow together. Right. Mm. Absolutely. And in turn. Become attached mm-hmm. to the kids. Absolutely it did, because I'm a loving individual, and kids and animals, I am a sucker for, because mm. I love them all. Yes. And, and But that's wonderful, and, though. That's a wonderful oh, trait to have. Absolutely. And and I came into their lives for a reason. And in essence, he also um, used that to control as a self-serving purpose, use the kids so that I would take care of them so that he wouldn't have to. Oh, yeah. So I, it was served. His how did purpose. I know so you were going to say that? You so know? that entitlement, there's where the, there's where that sense of entitlement and control came in again. Hmm. You see, so my mom, going back to my mom, she would say things like, I just don't understand why he wants you to meet the kids so soon. And it's it's just, you know, when you throw kids into the mix, they become attached as well. And right. that can be confusing for them. And, and I was like, oh, no, no, no. He said it was because he didn't want to go to see me because he got partial custody. So he didn't he only saw them every other weekend. Mm-hmm. So that meant he would only get to see me on those off weekends. But his excuse was, well, I just see this going so far and so great that I don't want to see you every other weekend when I don't have the kids. So therefore, I want you to meet my kids early mm. soon so, so that you, we could spend time together and you can meet them and grow to have a relationship with them, too, and they can meet you as well. So that was another kind of control mechanism. So, Christy, how early was it by chance? That was a week and a half into the relationship. Wow. A week and a half? A couple weeks. Yeah, that's that's at the very beginning of my book. So he's he's moving at an accelerated pace. I bet you he didn't even meet your dog till at least three weeks and he gave you the kids in one week. No, I'm curious. When did he meet the dog? When did he meet your mom? How long would you say that all, you know, interacted? Well, he he met my dog the very first, uh, (laughs) and I use this term loosely, the very first date. Because he came against my better judgment. I don't usually allow... On a first date, I don't allow anybody to come to my house. That's my safe haven, which ironically enough was very not safe for me. It ended up, my own home ended up not being safe for me because of all of this. But he met my dog very first day. My parents, I think it was very soon, maybe a couple of months maybe okay. a month or two. Yeah. Um, but the kids were immediate within the first couple of weeks. And it was date number one on a Friday. Date number two was secured the very next day. Within 24 hours, he was already talking about dates two, three, and four while we were on the first date. When you say this, I, I notice one another trait, and we see this in class as well, but we'll notice when the perpetrator, and we're going to just say that the narcissistic tendency or characteristic comes into our classroom setting, we do notice that they accelerate and move a relationship relationship extremely fast and Mm -hmm. they typically will attach themselves to someone that is very organized detail oriented has a clear path of where they're going right and in a sense it goes back to that gaslighting where they're destabilizing you they're throwing you off your normal schedule so that you when you fall off balance you fall on them you have to lean on them excuse me and again I noticed this in my family member that went through this same situation it was an accelerated relationship I believe they were married within four 
four months uh, engaged mm. in one month and it was just moving very very fast and this person had a issue with another one of our family members with their mom and you know they leaned on this new mate that was destabilizing them so much because of the, the adversity that was going on in in their family situation so you know they became their confidant their friend and they were slowly cutting off everyone around them they cut off myself my family I mean and we were a very close-knit family and I say all of that because did you experience where you started to cut off people in order for you to make him his central point or figure in your life the priority Yeah, yeah the priority absolutely I did I think and I attributed that to the normal progression of a romantic relationship. You just naturally want to spend more time with your partner. So the other relationships, friends, family, they have a tendency to just automatically suffer in a sense that you don't have as much time to spare to, to spend with those individuals. But again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I was trying to spend more time with him and, and develop and evolve and grow that relationship. But in essence, what it turned out being was that it was the control, the entitlement, the need for his narcissistic supply in me to tend to his every need, mm. want and desire. And in turn, what ended up happening was I changed my entire being and my entire belief system right. in order to meet his demands. Was he saved by chance? Was he in the church or was he a believer? At oh, all? oh, <laughs> I just, I cringe every time that topic comes up because I'll tell you why. I'm Catholic and mm. I'm, I'm religious and I grew up in with my faith and, and doing the religion classes and baptized, confirmed, you name it. I never, hardly ever, I shouldn't say never, mm-hmm. I hardly ever take off my cross pendant necklace. Mm-hmm. It's with me and the, the Cardinal George actually blessed it. Oh, wow. Yes. I was at a, my graduate school function and it was a, you know, a Jesuit institution. And so Cardinal George was there and I asked him to bless my cross. So I hardly ever, it's very near and dear to me. It's very sentimental. Never did I ever hear about him attending a church or doing any service or being religious. And, you know, I mean, how could he when he thought he was God himself, right? But for Easter Sunday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, he claimed to say that he wanted to attend his church. I said, well, what church would this be? So another argument ensued because I said, no, 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 no. I already have planned to attend my church service mass for Easter Sunday. And then we're going over to my parents for Easter dinner. And the night before on Holy Saturday, I mean, up until two o'clock in the morning was this fit tantrum that he needed to go to his church and he needed to pray. No, okay. So I conceded, and that's a term that I use many times in this book. I conceded again, went to his church, which was like an hour and a half away, and it was a two-plus-hour service. For me, it, it seemed like a production rather than my standard um, mass, what I was used to. And, you know, I went, I supported it, and that was all that was ever done. That was the only time just because he wanted that control to go to his church, because, and he wanted to prevent me from going to my church. Right. And afterward, after all of the trauma happened and and when we split, <laughs> there was an instance where he showed up wearing, nonetheless, a cross pendant around his neck. 
Wow. So, so he, he was, found he found God out of the fact. Oh, really? Okay. Did he now? <laughs> no, no. It was a more of a mocking. And see, we thought that he was pretending yeah. in order to get closer. But you're saying he was doing that to kind of get in your head and mess with you. It could have been both. I it pro- most possibly could quite possibly could have been a combination of both. Um, but I remember one of one thing he said to me: "You need to take my hand and walk with God." What? Wait a minute. Hold so, on. He, so he was saying he was God. I'm telling you, this is what he thought. He, oh he, my he God! Can, wow. He told well, that's me Satan himself, right there. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I'm not in agreement at all with that (laughs) okay well wait a minute I have a question so in the midst of him doing this and him walking and acting like he is a demigod because it's no way possible he can be the one and only true god I want to know something did you in trying to pursue this relationship you know in in gaining him did you lose your relationship with god I am ashamed to admit it, but yes, I did. I I lost more than my relationship with God. I lost many things, but the most important thing that I lost was my relationship and my faith in God. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped going to church and again, I just got the chills. I, I'm, I'm not joking. As God is my witness, I am not lying. That is how he comes to me and to show me that he is near to show me. And I'm, I get very emotional. So forgive me if, uh, if I get emotional during this portion, this segment, No, please. but I lost my faith. I lost my trust. I lost my hope in God. I was angry at God, but I learned that I was angry at myself. And I mentioned this in my book that I worked very hard and I restored my faith. May I read a short excerpt? Yes. One of the most valuable tools regained through my life coaching was the power to let go and let God, as well as the power of prayer. I found my faith again and put all of my trust in God but only after I remembered that he would never leave me empty-handed. He knew my path all along and wanted me to put this relationship down so that I could pick up something much greater. So here I am, and I am thriving. Amen. God always makes a way of escape. Just the fact that you learned that. It had to be the hard way. I mean, it's a test. You can't have a testimony without a test. Amen. And he knows my path. He, he wrote the book of yes. Christie's life. I have the free will to choose which route I may take, and it may not always be the right route, but I learn from it, and I learned so much from this experience. And actually, I, I, I consider it a blessing. I really do, because God brought me to it, so he wa- helped me through it. Yes, say that. And I believe that so greatly. And it took me a long time to really believe that and feel that. But once I relinquished all of that control to God and I said, God, take my hand, guide me, talk to me. I, and and I, I actually um, uh, pray a lot and I apologized to him. And I, I know that he probably doesn't need me to apologize because he feels it, right. but I still felt, and I talk, I talk to him. People probably think, uh, you know, weird when I walk my dog, I'm talking, but I talk out loud. I talk to God. Oh, that's no, good. that's amazing. It is. You created that conversation, that space, that atmosphere, and that's where you feel the most safe. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you should be, because that's when you're the most protected. Amen. You know? See, we, it took me a we lot have... to realize it, but I did. <laughs> well, no, but you realized it. You came Great. back around. I mean, and, and but we need to talk about this even more. And I want to know, can we please bring you back for another 
chapter because we want to go through this a little bit more. We want to know more about you. We want to know about the tougher times in this relationship that you had. And then we also want to know, do you forgive him? And please don't answer that yet. We want to know um, how that sounds, how that looks like, what forgiveness looks like, what it sounds like in this situation. Okay. Um, But we're really excited about you. Do you know that? I am. And it would be my absolute honor come back <laughs> yeah we love you for it we love you for it we do thank you so much and again you guys heard it we we got it we got her sworn testimony <laughs> and we have her own recording telling us that she would be back now yes. you all heard it so we got to get this again so again this is the meet a we talk podcast and we just went over gaslighting and we had a truth serum series about it and we promised to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so, so help me God. Check us out for part three.